0: Welcome to the Do Hawk Digest, the podcast that keeps you informed on all things Loris College. In this episode, we'll be getting caught up with alumna Denise Whitaker, what she's been doing since she left Loris, and what's keeping her busy these days. I'm Robert Waterbury, Assistant Director of Campus Communications. Joining me in the studio is Bobby Earls, the Executive Director of Alumni Communications, and joining us from Seattle is Denise Whitaker. Denise, Bobby, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Glad to be here. And Denise, thank Thank you you so much for jumping on the phone. Sure thing.
0: We know you're keeping busy. And well, we were catching you at a busy time. So why don't you give us a heads up of what's keeping you so busy right now?
2: Right. Seattle, Washington, uh, this area right now is truly at the epicenter of the coronavirus COVID-19 outbreak uh, in our country, and we literally are ground zero. So I spent my entire morning, I'm working mornings right now is my current schedule, so I come in about 3 a.m. every day, and I'm usually by about 11 or 11.30, it's noon, one or two o'clock in the afternoon. But these days, uh, it is a very serious situation. And it's very fluid, hour by hour, minute by minute, things are changing. It's very unfortunate that uh, our numbers are exponentially climbing each day in terms of the number of people in our state who are now being confirmed with COVID-19, and the number of deaths also rising. And, you know, unfortunately, like I just came from the nursing care center where all of this really started and just got word that that one gentleman's, mom passed away this morning, and another gentleman, uh, I talked to him as his dad was being taken out in an ambulance because he was starting to show signs of the virus, and he was being transferred to another hospital for care. So we're at the center of this right now, and uh, at the moment, this is what I signed up for as a journalist, and it's a lot of extra hours, and it's what we do. We just work to make sure that people are informed, that they know what's happening, that they're not going to panic, that there's not fear uh, being spread through the community. We just want to make sure that people have the facts and the details of exactly what's going on.
1: And you've got a lot of experience, Denise. I know graduating in 1987, you were one of the first classes when Loris started the Media Studies slash Journalism program. And since, Loris, you have had a storied career in broadcast journalism. Walk through your path in television and what you have been doing over the last several years since graduation. Oh, wow. Okay, that's more
2: <laughs> time than you have for me. But no. uh, <laughs> uh, yes, actually, it was interesting because uh, given what I do for a living, I at one time was a bit more shy than I am right now. But anyway, when I did graduate in May that year, I was trying to find a job. Dubuque had a television station at the time, and uh, I I think this story is really funny. My very first job came from a cold call. I literally called the television station, got the news director on the phone. Joe Dank was the news director, and I said, hey, do you have any openings? And he said, I have one. It is for a weekend weather anchor and for entertainment. Damn. And I was so excited. I think this was in June or July. So it had been, you know, some weeks. I had so many friends who graduated and they had jobs before they graduated. And I felt like such a loser at that time because I'm <laughs> like, I don't have a job yet. Uh, but our industry is so small. So I got off the phone with him, and I was so excited. And then I realized, wait a second, how did I get this interview on a cold call? So that was my first question when I got into his office the next day. And he said, so I had competed in the Miss America system through high school in Illinois and through college in Iowa there. And so I had won Miss Dubuque a year previous to compete in the Miss Iowa uh, pageant for miss america and so when i got into his office i asked him and joe me he said well he said with a name like people Barcek, that is my maiden name that i graduated from college with mm-hmm. he said i i produced the he directed and produced the cable tv show the night that i won miss dubuque and so he already knew who i was because that was a name that was unforgettable so <laughs> um or unforgettable i should say so i got the job i worked there for a year and moved on to mm-hmm. rock island illinois and then I was trying to get out of Rock Island because I, I, it just was not what I wanted. And I had a job interview elsewhere, and then that news director called Joe back, my first employer, right? And so I get this call from Joe, and he says – oh my gosh, I just, you know, got a, a call for a recommendation for you. And I said, oh, please, tell me you gave me a good recommendation. I really <laughs> need this job. And he's like, don't take it. Whatever you do, don't take it. And I didn't understand. I said, Joe, you don't understand. Like, I really need this job. He said, just trust me. Don't take anything till you hear back from me. So he called me back two days later and Joe offered me the main ankle position. Uh, so he hired me back as the main ankle, which really, was what I needed, uh, instead of doing weekend weather. And so I spent about a year and a half there. Then I moved on to West Virginia and I co-produced uh, and anchored a show on my own. That was, to me, it was like a 30 minute local Oprah Winfrey type news show. Cause that's mm-hmm. the time that the era that I was doing it. And then I eventually went into anchoring other shows there. And Arkansas, what a beautiful city, 10 hour drive for me to get back up to my family in the Chicago area, but they don't have an international airport. So 15 years ago, I went looking for something new, and I landed in Seattle, and I've been here ever
1: since, and I just love it. That's fantastic. Well, and I think, too, all of us can look back at our time here at Loris and see those connections in retrospect of how we right. were formed, shaped, and prepared for this big world out there. As you look back at your time at LORS, what stands out to you as a big influencer, whether it was a person, a class, an experience?
2: So I really think everything of my experience at LORS was incredible. I mean, every step of the way, all of my professors challenged me in different ways. You know, when I went to school there, I chose Lors because, well, originally I was pre-med and that just didn't work out for me. That's a whole other story. <laughs> Dr. Benz was my favorite in lab, but, you know, it just didn't work out. So I have to find something different to do. I went there to run track and I loved running track. Uh, I went there for the band. I played tenor sax in the jazz band and I loved band and I ended up on the palm squad. So all of my extracurricular activities at Lors were just amazing. And I still have uh, some lifelong friendships from those, of course. But in terms of my professors, I think each one of them challenged me in a different way. Uh, I remember when I signed up for my communication law classes my junior year, I went to Coach Tucker at the time, uh, and the track coach. Yes. And said, "Listen, I can't run this year because I have these classes, and I, you know, I hear that nobody, can say, and so I'm really gonna have to buckle down." And I, he he's like, what do you mean you're not running? I said, nope, I'm not running this year. So I took a year off from of running. I got an A in one of his classes, a B plus in the other. And so I achieved most of my goal. I went back to running. And, you know, had a great time running my senior year. Uh, I ran the heptathlon there when I was in college. And my other uh, classes, too, all of them, just each one challenged me in a different way. You know, I have so many people that I have run into, and especially now some of the younger people. I I just met a woman this week uh, who came to help us with our coronavirus from one of our sister stations. And she's like, well, I went to Missouri and, and I, and I understand there are very prestigious journalism schools in the country. However, I would never, ever trade for my time at Loras. Mm-hmm. I think just every step of the way prepared me because teachers challenged us to figure it out for ourselves. Nobody held our hands. Nobody held my hand Not any professors, not anyone. So I had an internship. The only internship available to me uh, when I was there in school at the time was through the school district. And everyone's like, what are you going to learn at the school district about journalism? I learned so much. The school district would send me out with gear and say, videotape this uh, press conference or I did the school board meetings uh, when they had school board meetings, I would direct those. I would be camera person for those. I would be sent out to school assemblies with a bunch of gear and I had to figure it out. And if something didn't work, I would have to troubleshoot it on my own on occasion. I'd call back and ask, question. you know, I'd get a little bit of help, but you learn so much more when you have to do it yourself. And I think that's one thing prepared me through all of my professors at Laura's. As nobody held my hand, but he said, you know what? Here are the basics. We're going to use the basics, and you are put it together, and you're going
1: to And That was huge and prepared me, I think, for everything. Absolutely. Denise, I think one of the things, too, that today in the world of journalism – Whether it's radio or newspaper or television, it's an ever-changing industry. And here at Loris, the foundation that was set back in the 80s when we were here at Loris has continued to grow and blossom and create such creative individuals, and the students are kind of carrying on that torch. What advice would you have for a young journalist entering the broadcast news world today?
2: Oh, absolutely. Take every writing class that you possibly can and stay on top of all current events. Because those, I think, are the two most important things. And I guess the third thing would be learn to adapt. You know, when I graduated and when we were in school, uh, Twitter, what, you know. Right. (laughs) Instagram, right. I mean, all of these things that I've had to learn and really adapt with. And, you know, I, I'm constantly trying to do Facebook Lives from my stories every day. And, mm-hmm. and so it is an ever-changing industry. And as it continues to change, you just have to be able to adapt.
1: And I think you touched on this, too, when you were sharing your earlier experiences, that here at Loris, the professors don't hold your hands. They really throw you out there, say, Figure it out because you can do this. They give you the confidence to take what you've learned and apply it out there. What what would you say, looking back at Denise back in the 80s here at Loris, what advice would you give yourself?
2: Oh, I would have told myself to take more writing classes mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. sure because I think I got caught up in the, oh, I want to run this camera and I want to learn how to direct, and those things – seemed like the more difficult tasks that I would need to know in order to make it in television. But in hindsight, just having that base of being able to write, whether it's a creative writing class or a journalism, you know, more journalism centric class, it doesn't matter how many writing classes, definitely do that. And, you know, I remember competing on debate when I was there, too. And that also thoroughly prepared me for Mm -hmm. what I do today.
1: Absolutely. And I love that you share how proud you are of being a Dewhawk and graduating from Laura's because you have competed and been rival to lots of journalists out there who have graduated from other Ivy League schools and very prestigious journalism schools. And yet you have that tenacity that do hawks share across the country. And I guess I'd love to know what is your favorite takeaway or memory from Loris? Ooh, that's tough. Uh, that's really, tough. I, I know. Thinking, I know. It's like, it's like know, asking honestly, your favorite food. It, I, I know.
2: I know. I know. That's like asking me my favorite story or <laughs> assignment. I've been on it. I could rattle off a list. Um, you know, it is interesting because, and, and this is, you know, of course, I mean, I'm dating myself with this whole thing anyway, but, you know, it was really funny. I remember, do you remember this? Do you remember when Jay Leno came to our campus? Oh, yes. Yes, and it was such a big deal, and I don't even think we knew who he was, but we all poured into the auditorium, and we listened to him, and it was so much fun, and I think that togetherness is the one memory, not from an individual event, but all the events, going to mass together as a group, going to basketball games together, going to football games and, and tailgating game together. It didn't matter what it was. We kind of did it together as as Small groups, large groups. And I think that's what I remember most. And that's why I chose Laura's. That's why I did not choose a big school. I purposely chose a small school so that I could get that experience.
1: That's fantastic. Looking at your career now, and you have so much to be proud of, as we are of you, what stands out to you as something that really has impacted your life? Either a person that you've met, a story that you've covered. And I know there are so many to pick from.
2: There are, I I couldn't come up with a single story necessarily. It's the people in the stories who really inspire me. Uh, I had the, fortunate task of going to the White House when the Seattle Seahawks won the Super Bowl and President Obama invited them there. And I'll I'll never forget Doug Baldwin. I was interviewing him and the coach. And my goal is always to try to think of the question that no other reporter is going to think of when I'm standing there interviewing someone, mm-hmm. especially when in a group situation like that. So I, I honestly don't remember the question that I asked Doug Baldwin, something about being prepared. And, you know, I, I think I had noticed how they were all wearing such Great outfits, like great suits, right? (laughs) And so I asked her about that. And so this is what inspires me is how individuals make an impact Mm -hmm. on their fellow man and on their community. And I asked Doug Baldwin, and Doug Baldwin told me, he said, you know what? One of the other players really didn't have money to buy a suit or have a new suit. So Doug gave him one of his and he said it was the suit he had originally picked out for himself, but he gave it to his teammate and he picked out a different suit for himself to wear. And these are the stories and the People that I am so fortunate to meet and yeah. interview and talk to every single day, because these are people who are just—you know—some of them like Doug Walton, Obviously, he's he's a great athlete, uh, a superstar in many books. But it's also just the average everyday people that I meet mm-hmm. that I'm just in awe of every day at the things they do and the differences they make in their community. Yeah. So. I'll tell you the story, too. i a just destroying this woman. I'm a huge thrifter. Like, almost everything I wear every day, never pay full price. I go to thrift stores because (laughs) I like to have more of an eclectic wardrobe and come up with my own style instead of following trends. And so uh, I was able to, through my goodwill connections, find out about this woman. She literally built a library for a private uh, Christian grade school when they, she had taught first grade for 40 some years, and then they really needed someone to take over the library. So she left teaching in the classroom to take over the library. She took that tiny little library, which literally were just a thousand books stored in a closet to almost 9,000 books now in a year and a half by going to Goodwill every Saturday and looking not for any books, she only looks for accelerated readers because that's what they use. And if mm-hmm. you're not familiar with those, these are books that then test the child with an online quiz after to make sure that they have comprehension of the book. Right. And she has able to buy all of these books, get this, 43 cents per book is the average that she pays because she spent hours on hours and she loves doing it. And so it's average every day, people that I meet every day that really inspire me and I just want to keep telling their stories because they're doing such
1: Great things in the community that people should know about it. Absolutely, and one of the things too that we were always exposed to, either witnessing in other people or being challenged to do, was to be involved within the community. Whether it was serving or volunteering or whatever that might look like, you've continued that through your whole career. You have served on boards, whether it's Big Brothers, Big Sisters, the Susan G. Komen Foundation, uh, American Diabetes Association. What, what challenges you and what causes you to continue that service within the community?
2: Well, I think it's, it's something that I love to do, first of all. I think it's, uh, you know, I guess obligation. I hate to say obligation, but I think everyone needs to do what they can to better their community. And, you know, for some people that's writing a check, for others like me, it's getting involved in mm-hmm. some way. And yes, right now I'm the uh, been working with the Fight cancer here with the, French, the world-renowned cancer research center here, literally blocks from where I work, and they do amazing things here. So that's my current project that I work on right now. But I, I just I just like helping people, uh, and I just I like telling people's stories that are helping others in the community, and I just like helping the community myself.
1: Well, I tell you what, Denise, um, the thing I love to maybe end on is how you describe yourself on LinkedIn. So I love this. You describe yourself as a communicator, a problem solver, and a journalist. I think that sums up really well what you have done and how you have dedicated your life to the, your career. And we couldn't be... More proud of you and what you have done in representing Loris out there, and how you're making a difference within this industry. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Well, and Denise, so just so anybody listening, if they want to find out what you're up to, so you're at K O M O News in Seattle currently, and and you that say, is correct. And you are yeah. You know, they can find your profile. They can find any stories that you're working on. But you're also, as you have mentioned before, doing Facebook Facebook Live live feeds so they could is it through the komo uh facebook page that they can find you as well
2: so i'm um my facebook page is uh denise Whitaker como on twitter i'm denise on como and then on instagram which is a little bit more of my personal side versus my professional though i do both uh i'm adventure seeker uh spelled adventure ckr And by the way, that's the same customized plate I have on my motorcycle. I'm always seeking adventure.
1: And and I, too, I think it's fun to show a different side as well because you are such a dedicated journalist, but you have so much fun living life. Tell us some of the things that you love to do because you're an outdoors person.
2: I am an outdoor person. You know, this is funny. The way that I started with Climbing by you mentioned that I, uh, I was on the board of the Susan G. Komen Foundation when I lived in Arkansas. And I love that is the most amazing group in the country, specifically Arkansas. Uh, those ladies are so dedicated and so amazing there in the state of Arkansas. And then when I came here, which, this is a funny story. I came here. Uh, I had a phone interview with the news director here in Seattle. I had never been to Seattle in my life. And we ended up doing this phone inter- interview while I was sitting at O'Hare Airport in Chicago on my way to meet my husband uh, after a conference he had on the East Coast for a vacation. We had shipped our bicycles to the East Coast because we had plans to cycle Acadia National Park Martha's Vineyard we were going to bicycle all through different areas of the East Coast so I have this phone interview and um, I ended up saying, he said, well, I need to bring you in, you know, to the, the station. And I said, great. Well, as it turns out, I had to cut my vacation short. And then I said, okay, I only have a suitcase full of bicycle clothes. What do I do? And he said, you're fine. He said, I don't care what you wear. Just come for the interview. I got the job. A couple months later, he came to me and said, you can say no to this. He said, but would you like to climb a mountain? And I said, well, what's the deal? And he said, well, it's to raise money for cancer research. And I said, that's it. I'm in. I'm and in. so that's how I started with the fight cancer. So, yes, I'm all about motorcycling and hiking and climbing mountains. And my husband and I, a couple of years ago, we've ridden our motorcycles. We each have uh, SD1300s. We've gone to the Arctic Circle. We went to Key West and back a couple of years ago. So we just love getting out there.
1: That's fantastic. Well, we will be sure to let our listeners know all the other ways that they can catch up with you. And we'll close with saying uh, that, Denise, you are the best communicator, problem solver, and journalist out there. We are so proud of you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I love I love
2: solving people's problems. It's my favorite thing to
1: do.
0: Awesome. <laughs> well, Denise Whitaker, Bobby Girls, thank you so much for, for taking the time and talking with us. And thank you to all who listened into our discussion. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. To find more episodes of the Duhawk Digest, as well as more Loris news, videos, and information, visit the Loras Daily website at daily.loras.edu. We hope you'll join us for the next Duhawk Digest. And until next time, go Duhawks!